this week. It's a nail-biting adventure into the horrors of deep space. We're taking a dip into the chill waters of Titan. Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea, we'll explore the reaches of Yap Audio's Kraken Mare, right here on Radio Drama Revival. This is the Mysterious Traveler, inviting you to join me for another journey into the realm of the strange and terrifying. I hope you will enjoy the trip, and that it will thrill you a little and chill you a little. I'm your host, David Reinstrom, and today we have a submission from friends of the show, Yap Audio, out of Fife, near Edinburgh, Scotland. You've heard their work before, dear friends. I'm talking about Robert Cudmore and Matthew McLean, hosts of the very fine show, The Audio Production Podcast, which, if you're interested in the craft of audio drama, is a must-listen. Matthew and Robert have had their work featured here on RDR in recent years. You may have caught some of their post-apocalyptic adventure series Aftermath in 2014, or The Ghosts of Flannan Lighthouse, co-produced with Campfire Radio Theater. We ran that piece in October 2015. But here, now, we take you into the outer reaches of our solar system as a little craft full of some brave British astronauts makes its way into the atmosphere of Titan, the ocean moon of Saturn. The Kraken Mari, or Kraken Sea, is an enormous body of liquid methane on Titan, slightly larger than Earth's Caspian Sea in Eurasia. Take a deep breath and imagine yourself sinking into a chill sea of hydrocarbons as Yap Audio Production presents Kraken Mare. Captain? I can confirm we successfully entered the atmosphere of Titan at mission time 1173-851. We are approaching 250 feet from the surface. Chutes were deployed at 3,000 feet. Copy that. How's your visibility? We're currently penetrating a thick cloud level. It's pretty dense. No view of the surface just yet. It'll make Edinburgh look like Bermuda down there. Aye, well, the captain would get sunburned reading a holiday brochure. That'll suit him just fine. Well, at least I'll be the only human being setting foot on Titan who still has a head of hair, McGovern. Well, hopefully you'll keep hold of it once we discover what's lying down there. Visibility improving now, Butler. We are through most of this cloud layer. How's it looking? The lighting isn't great, but we're getting a pretty clear view of the landscape. The Sea of Kraken Mare is spread out to our left. I can see a mountain range off to our right. Looks like we'll be landing between five and 800 yards from the coastline. The sky is heavy. Those methane clouds are dark and brooding. The whole landscape has a rusty orange tinge to it. Do you have a surface temperature reading? 
Minus 161 degrees Celsius, Butler. And that's a balmy minus 251 degrees Fahrenheit. Better get the fur coats looked out. Indeed. Okay, Butler, we better get strapped in for landing. We'll report back once we're safely on the surface. Copy that. Good luck. Cheers. Welcome to Titan. History has been made today as the first manned mission to Titan reportedly touched down just a few hours ago. The expedition won the race to reach the mysterious moon orbiting Saturn ahead of countless others, including NASA. Their mission, funded by British entrepreneur Jennifer Barry, is to investigate what appears to be some kind of wreckage on the floor of the moon's biggest methane ocean, Kraken Mare. The discovery was made by the Wells Dyson satellite almost nine years ago, and sparked a frantic space race that might finally answer one of humanity's biggest unanswered questions. Are we alone in the universe? Barry's team is made up of only three astronauts, Scotsman Frank Jameson and Duncan McGovern, who will conduct the groundwork on Titan, and London-born Dr. Laura Butler, who will man the control ship from the moon's orbit. The mission, which took just over two years to reach Titan, had been criticized by NASA as being rushed, careless, and grossly undermanned. But as news reached Earth that her accelerated expedition program appears to have paid off, Barry hit back at the space agency, who don't launch their own flight to Titan until February next year. The pensioners at NASA need about four years of budget meetings just to organize a night out at the cinema, don't they? <laughs> I think we've all been dreadfully excited about that object on the floor of the sea on Titan. It's really captured the imagination of the whole world. I've been fascinated by the prospect of life on other planets since I was a little girl, so money was no object when I put together this mission. To suggest that it was rushed and understaffed is ludicrous. Our three astronauts are the most capable, competent and skilled individuals I've ever met. Sometimes bigger isn't always better. When the Americans finally get there, we'll already have built a hotel to put them up in. From this moment, the entire human race holds its breath in anticipation. The team now face the daunting task of diving down 160 meters to the bottom of this freezing methane ocean to investigate the object, which is said to be about the size of a Chinook helicopter. But Barry insists that with her equipment and training, this should be a routine mission. Microsub ready to roll, Captain. I'll get a start in calibrating that reverse fuel cell. Good work. I've got your suit ready. Glad I'm finally somewhere cold enough to wear the bloody thing. I nearly melted away to a puddle the last time I had it on. Well, you'll be thankful for it once you're outside and under the surface. If you so much as dipped your big toe in that stuff without it, you'd be dead in minutes. And there was me about to get the speedos on. <laughs> Christ, what a sight that would have been. I'd have looked like David Hasselhoff jogging into the Pacific on Baywatch. Aye, nipples harder than diamonds and a scrotum the size of a walnut. The perfect image to greet some extraterrestrial life for me. Well, like I've always said, if something or someone crashed that thing, they'll be doing incredibly well to be staying alive down there. 
especially if it's been sitting there for 10 million years. Just as long as I don't have to give anything the kiss of life. Please don't. If it wakes up in Phone's home, you can bet Earth would be obliterated before we even got you back to the surface. Huh. You need a hand with that? Well, this? Uh, nah, I'm done. Come on. Let's go and get the land roamer set up. Okay, Captain, coordinates from the landing point are uploading to the land room interface now. That will give you the closest point from the shoreline to the objective. Good work, Butler. Everything running smoothly down here, all equipment serviced and ready to go. We'll be bedding down for the night in an hour or so. Technically, the night isn't for another ten days, Captain. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm not sure I brought enough coffee to fully adjust a Titan cycle just yet. Let's stick with good old GMT for now. Who's McGovern? Ah, he's fine. I can tell he's nervous, but who wouldn't be? It's a fairly straightforward route from the coast. 432 metres in, 148 metres down. I suppose that's easy for me to say, sitting up here. He practically lived in that micro-sub for eight months before we left Earth. He'll be just fine. I know. Anyway, if you need anything else before tomorrow, just shout. I'll let you get some rest. Good night, Captain. Night, Butler. What's that you're reading? Jane Spotton. Hmm. Irvin Welsh, eh? That's an old one. Aye. Reminds me of home, though. Missing it, eh? Missing the wife, and the wee man. And the cat. It's not easy. I know we have a laugh and a joke, but think about where we are right now. Where we actually are, right now. You're having your moment of clarity, then? Yeah, that moment when you lie back and think, here I am, lying in bed, reading a book about two men sitting in a pub in Edinburgh. And I'm on Titan. Fucking Titan. Incredible, I know. Funny you should say that about your book, too. What do you mean? Well, think about it. You said you're reading about people living everyday lives in Edinburgh. When that book was written, I bet most people read sci-fi books about space travel to places like Titan. Huh, I suppose you're right. They read about us reading about them. Well, I'm going to get some sleep. Tomorrow, we'll certainly be giving the folks on Earth plenty to read about. We sure will. Night, McGovern. And don't you be up all night reading. Night, Captain. Just one more chapter. (laughs) You sound like my daughter. McGovern to command. Lonely night up there, was it? Lonely? No way. Great to get some peace and quiet. Rubbish. You missed yourself anyway. Yeah? Yep. Jameson threw a huge party. The Titan police came and told us to turn the music down. Hmm. <laughs> I'm such a rebel. Ready for the big plunge then? Sure am. Snug as a bug in this aqua armour. 
Jameson's been off collecting samples from the ground around the module. Don't listen to him, Butler. I was busy cleaning up the mess from this party that we allegedly had last night. You fit and ready, McGovern? Waiting to go, Captain. Hop on then, I'll drive. Butler, we'll check back with you once we reach the coast. Copy that. Hope you remembered your fishing rods. Cracking mare, eh? She's a fair old size. I can't even see the other side. Not that I can see very far in any direction in this bloody place. Five times the size of Lake Superior, to be exact. Or, if you want a Scottish comparison, nearly 1,500 times the size of Loch Ness. Well, I suppose, unlike Loch Ness, at least we know for sure there's something down there. I guess we'll find out for sure soon enough, eh? Come on, let's get this micro-sub disconnected. Upon their arrival on the shores of Kraken Mare, one member of Barry's team, Edinburgh-born astronaut and deep-sea diver Duncan McGovern, will board and operate a tiny one-person submarine known as a microsub down into the depths of this freezing ocean of liquid methane. The microsub is one of the finest bits of kit in our arsenal. It's a one-man craft and looks a bit like an egg lying on its side. We wanted it to be as small as possible so we could get close to, and even inside, anything we might find down there. It was custom-built not as a water submersible, but specifically to dive in liquid methane. As an operator, Mr. McGovern is exceptionally skilled. He took a prototype model down to the bottom of the Mariana Trench three years ago. Whatever it is lying under Kraken Mare, you can be sure he'll find it. Though liquid methane can be a clear substance, the heavy clouds on Titan mean visibility will be rather poor. The microsub has state-of-the-art infrared cameras on every side, however, so as far as Mr. McGovern is concerned, it'll be like scuba diving in the shallows of the Caribbean. I'm approaching a depth of 100 metres below surface level. Visibility remains good. No noticeable current down here either. Very still. Aye, the waves are barely two centimetres high. I doubt this will become a space tourist destination for surfers in the future. Never say never, Captain. If Barry wants that, she'll make it happen. Your temperature has dropped a bit. How are you feeling? A bit colder, yeah. Didn't think that would be possible in this gear. Well, you are further away from the sun now than any human's ever been in history. Don't I know it. Temperature is stable again. We'll need to keep an eye on it, though. 
Objective is now visible. I'm 30 metres from the seabed. Have you got a decent view of it yet? Not much better than the satellite images so far, but getting closer. I'm going to lock on now. McGovern? I've locked onto the objective. 15 metres from seabed. Is everything okay? I've lost your picture. I had a bit of feedback when I locked on. Maybe we were picking up some sort of static, or maybe it's the methane. Well, I've only got radio communication with you at the moment. Can you try locking off again? Copy. How's that? Still nothing. My cameras are still picking everything up. Must just be a signal issue. Don't worry, Captain. You'll see it all once I'm back up there. Two metres above seabed and stabilising. Christ, it's cold. Well, that's far from ideal, the picture and the temperature. I guess it's just my punishment for having all the fun. Well, I don't like it. Maybe we should abort. Oh, hell no. Captain, I- I'm fine, honestly. It's just a minor feedback issue. You're not jealous, are you? I'm heading towards objective now. The seabed is more uneven than we'd anticipated. There's some rock faces and plateaus to our left and, and behind. How is your visibility? Good. Tell you what, Captain, there's some big caves down here. Might be worth another trip or two later in the week. One thing at a time, McGovern. McGovern? Sorry, Captain, I'm approaching the objective and... What is it? Come on, talk to me. It's like nothing I've ever seen. Honestly, you you wouldn't believe it. Is everything all right? Everything's fine. Better than fine. This is just incredible. Well, spill the beans then, for the love of God. Is it some sort of... Craft. Yeah. It's a spacecraft for sure, Captain. It's about the size of a house, made of a kind of almost rocky-looking material. I can't identify it. Maybe it's a build-up of sediment or some other localised environmental effect. Can you get close enough to take a sample? Even a scraping? I'm just heading round to the... Oh, bloody hell! What? Will you stop doing that? I can't see anything. You'll not believe this, Captain. There's a huge tear in the wall of the thing. I think something must have shot it down. Come on now, McGovern. That's wild speculation. It's more than likely just crash impact damage. At this gravity? I don't think so. The craft was almost certainly attacked. There's more damage right across this side. Just keep documenting it and leave the analysis till later. Five seconds into discovering that we're not alone in the universe, now we're fantasizing about more extraterrestrial races. Why would it have to be another race who attacked them? We've managed just fine fitting amongst ourselves on Earth all these years. I was hoping we'd find proof of other life forms who weren't a pile of bastards like us, though. I think I might be able to get inside. Inside? You mean the. The craft, yeah. The hole on the side is easily big enough. Are you sure? Let's get a closer look.
This is amazing. Is there anything... anyone in there? The equipment is like nothing I've ever seen before. There's some sort of control panel straight in front of me. I'm guessing that's where they flew the thing from. You're still filming it all, right? Are you kidding? I'll get a hundred billion hits on YouTube for this. <laughs> YouTube? What age are you? It's making a comeback. My granddad said that about Facebook for years. I think I see... <laughs> Holy fuck! What? There's two bodies over here, at the far end of this chamber. What kind of bodies? Physical bodies? Corpses? Hold on. Let me get a bit closer. Would you look at that? Well, I can't, can I? What is it? Remember when we were doing our physicals at the Institute? There was that really tall guy with a big nose and comb over? Hey? Big skinny guy. Looked like someone had put a suit on a flagpole. McGovern, what the hell is this? Well, if he had had sex with an aunt, these guys would be their kids. <sighs> Hardly Neil Armstrong's one giant step spiel, is it? I think Christ went up broadcasting directly back to Earth. Have you got a sensible or, dare I say it, a scientific description of these beings? I'd say about eight to ten feet tall. Humanoid. Leathery or rubbery textured suits or skin. But I'm sure it's suits. No sign of mouths or eyes. But I'm sure those aren't helmets. Can you get one back up with you? I could, but what if the methane's preserving them? You said yourself this might have been here for millennia. Hmm. I suppose you're right. We can come back tomorrow with one of the airlock capsules. Some of the controls on this side look a bit like sonar equipment. There doesn't appear to be any windows either. I suppose if you don't have eyes, you don't need windows. Good shout. I never thought of that. Does it look like they navigated with any sort of big screens, computers, consoles... That sort of thing. There's no obvious signs of anything like that. Hmm. Something is troubling me a wee bit though, Captain. What's that? I'm not entirely sure that this was a spacecraft. Well, what else could it have been, McGovern? I mean, everything you've described suggests that it... I think it might have been a submersible. A submarine? But you said it had been attacked from the outside. What the hell was that? McGovern, what's going on? I'm seeing a lot of movement on the surface. I'm not hanging around to find out. I'm on my way back. Hurry, the surface is getting really choppy now. I'm approaching the exit. There's a strong current down here. I'm having to fight with the controls. How quickly can you... Oh, no. What is it? Have you... Caves. But there's... McGovern! McGovern, do you copy? McGovern, do you copy?
The only surviving member of the team, Dr. Laura Butler, faces a long and lonely trip back to Earth. Butler herself had not set foot on Titan and could only listen on in horror as her comrades met their grisly fate. Yesterday, she sent an emotional message back to her friends, family, and the rest of us here on Earth. We knew the risks when we signed up for the mission. The guys knew the risks of landing on Titan. The discoveries they made in their short time down there have dwarfed the other significant discoveries of mankind. What we discovered on Titan changes everything. We discovered that we are not alone in the universe, that there exists or has existed another form of intelligent life, a species with superior technology and an obvious curiosity for space exploration. But I believe we discovered something else, something ancient and terrible. Though this creature's ferocity, strength and size is unrivaled on Earth, I think we can console ourselves that it doesn't present any immediate danger to us unless we should return to its home. For anyone else that heads to that cold, forbidding world, God help them. Way back in 2008, when scientists named the frigid, bleak ocean of Kraken Mare after a mythical sea monster, they were closer than they could have ever imagined. Chillingly close. That was Kraken Mare, written and produced by Matthew McLean of Yap Audio Production, and it starred Robert Cudmore, Caitlin Snedden, Jim Balfour, Fiona Thrale, and Owen McEwen, with music by Kevin Hartnell. I hope you enjoyed it, and if you did, and you want to hear more, you should go onto iTunes and subscribe to Yap Audio Production, uh, and if you want to learn more about the ins and outs of producing a work like this, give a listen to Matthew and Robert's other podcast, the Audio Drama Production Podcast, easy enough to find. And, hey, while you're on iTunes, could you do me a solid and give your boy a star rating? Ratings and reviews help spread the word about the radio drama revival, brothers and sisters. And if you've made it to the end credits of one of these podcasts, I reckon you'd like to see the word spread about this medium. So go, my messenger pigeons. Spread this weird gospel. That's all the time we have today. So our show is produced by me, but mostly by Matthew Boudreau, Buffalo's most famous export after its chicken wings, and his wife, Monique, who does the research for this show, alongside Heather Cohen, who is not from Buffalo, but is still pretty damn excellent. Our executive producer is Fred Greenhouge, who lives in a house he and his wife built with their own hands. They live in the woods of Maine, and the last time I talked to him on the phone, I heard turkeys in their yard. Meanwhile, I live in Northern California, land of Google, and I see at least one self-driving car every day, so greetings from the future, I guess. Our theme music comes to us courtesy of DJ Stranger Danger, whom you can find on the SoundCloud. Uh, Until next time, goodbye, and thanks for listening. Hey, if you can think of a good catchphrase for me to use, like, for real, tweet it at me at at Radio Drama. I could use a good catchphrase. Oh, and if you identified the classic radio drama opening I used at the top of the show, let me know about that, too. Let's be buddies. See you on the internet. I'm out. Eh, that's okay. Let's be buddies. End transmission now. And I'll see you at the movies now. See, this is why I need your help. Bye.